man, isn't that song just like the best song? I love that song. I like Phil Wickham a lot, though, so I'm partial to him. Uh, this is the part in our service. We always pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, and in a minute, Lou's going to come up. But before she does, I want to remind us why we're doing this. Um, the, the idea of, so we have this sentence, I'm always going to say it, that we're a people who flourish, flourishing in love for God, love for neighbor, and love for the world. So to, to better understand that we live in a world full of people, and we come from different places, different languages, different, all kinds of different things, we are woven together in this beautiful tapestry. So if you walk down the hall, if you have, you'll see there's that huge art piece, that huge tapestry with individual cloths all woven together to create this beautiful thing. So we're celebrating that this month. And if you keep going, you'll see prayers, the Lord's Prayer in different languages all through our fellowship hall. So last week we had Cantonese. And this week Lou's going to come up and she's going to pray in Chinese for us. So she'll pray. We'll all pray. And then she's going to read. Sound good? So come on up. Come on. I didn't get your mic, though. All right. <laughs> you pray? We are going to pray. We are going to pray. We are going to Amen. We pray this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. If you don't know the words, they'll be on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, and Lou's going to read out of Matthew 11, uh, 1 through 19. So if you want to open a Bible or get your device out, you can. And try to follow along, and then we'll read it again one more time. So we'll give you a second. Good. Matthew福音 十一章一到十九节，耶稣吩咐完了十二个门徒，就离开那里，往各城去传道教训人。约翰在监狱里听见基督所做的事，就打发两个门徒去，问他说：“那将要来的是你吗？” 还是我们等候别人呢？耶稣回答说：“你们去，把所听见、所看见的事告诉约翰。”就是瞎子看见、瘸子行走、长大麻风的洁净、聋子听见、死人复活、穷人有福音传给他们。凡不因我跌倒的
在你面前预备道路，所说的就是这个人。我实在告诉你们，凡妇人所生的，没有一个兴起来大过施洗约翰的。然而天国里最小的比他还大。从施洗约翰的时候到如今，天国是努力进入的，努力的人就得着了。因为众先知和律法说预言，直到约翰为止。你们若肯领受，这人就是那应当来的以利亚。有耳可听的就应当听。我可用什么比这世代呢？好像孩童坐在街市上招呼同伴说：“我们向你们吹笛，你们不跳舞；我们向你们举哀，你们不捶胸。”约翰来了，也不吃，也不喝。人就说他是被鬼附的，人子来了也吃也喝，人又说他是贪食好酒的人，是税吏和罪人的朋友，但智慧之子总以智慧为事。阿门。Amen. Thank you, Lou. Thank you. Yeah, just give her a hand. I just want to keep reminding us what we're using this year as our our, our our passages is called the lectionary. So there's different cycles of the lectionary, and the lectionary has been used by the church globally for thousands of years. So the so the passages we are reading have been read in different places and different languages for thousands of years. So today there are churches all over the world reading that exact same thing. So what fun to join in as a global family under God! What a good thing. So I'm going to read it again one more time, but before I do, a couple of things.、Um, we'll get. Can you give me slide two? I think everyone's probably there.、Um, so that's the page number.、Uh, I would like to.、Um, let's see. Give me slide. I didn't send that in. Okay. So I have a sentence for today, and it's just three words. It's not a sentence, I guess. It's three words. The words are trust, kneel, flourish. So as I'm reading the passage today, we're about, talking about John the Baptist again. I think John is wrestling with trust, because if he cannot trust, he cannot kneel. Then he cannot flourish. So our sentence for the whole month, the overarching series, is that we want to be a people who are、uh, kneeling to flourish in love. So our King was very humble, right? When he traded his place in heaven to take on our own skin to become like us. We're hoping this month that we will be just as humble as him. Okay, so trust to kneel to flourish. I'll read the passage,、uh, Matthew eleven. I'm going to start in verse two. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, "Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else?" Jesus replied, "Go back and report to John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk." Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man, in this case, or woman, who does not fall away on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the, de- into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind. If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear fine clothes are in kings' palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it was written: I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth: among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. 
From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you're willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who is to come. He who has ears, let him hear. So what can I compare this generation? They're like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the flute for you. You did not dance. We sang a dirge for you. You did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of, of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her actions. People of God's word of God. So as I've been preparing, I've been stuck in... Uh, uh, verse 2 through 6. I, I, we'll, we'll get to the rest, I think. But I've been hanging out in 2 through 6. And I'm having a hard time getting out of it. And I'm having a hard time getting out because I'm struck by John's question. Right? So his question is this. What was it? Go back a page. Are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? So as I've heard that and read about it, um, there's two thoughts about what John is asking. So we're going to talk about what John's dealing with and what, how it applies to us, I think. What is John asking? So first, it'd be slide number uh, three. Are you the right person? Did I get it right? Like, did, I, did I miss something? Are you the right person? Or I've also heard, heard said, John is saying, Jesus, do you know what you're supposed to be doing? Not questioning who he is questioning what he is doing. I'm more inclined, as I've studied, to think the latter. And I could be wrong, right? You never know. But I think John is not saying, are you the Messiah? I think John is saying, do what the Messiah is supposed to do. So let's look at it here. And this is why I think. So when John heard in prison what Christ was doing, it's interesting that Matthew would use the word Christ right there. He's talking about Jesus, right? So he could have used his name, Jesus, but no, he, he chose to use the word Christ. Christ is the Messiah. So that very statement alone says to me, Matthew's saying, John knows who he is. We were in Matthew 3 last week before Jesus got baptized. And if you went back to that, you cut pages back. Let's see here. Um, John, uh, Jesus came to John. John tried to deter him. Remember the baptism last week was a baptism that said, I have lost the path. I have lost the way. I want to find the way back, Right? It was a self-baptism of self-repentance. John says, what are you doing? You have not lost the path. You are on the path. You are the path. Why do I need to baptize you? Leads me to believe that John knows exactly who Jesus is. John has known Jesus his whole life. It's his cousin. He has seen him live. He has seen, he's seen everything, probably, right? He's a cousin. Extended families did a lot of stuff together. So he's not saying, I don't know if I know who you are. He's saying, what are you doing, Jesus. Because he's in prison, and he heard, uh, let's see, uh, what Christ was doing, his deeds, it says. So he heard about how Jesus was conducting his life, which made him say, what is going on, Jesus? What was he doing? Well, in Luke's gospel, it's more chronological. What he did in Luke's gospel, just prior to this story, was he healed someone. He healed a centurion's servant. So he healed the opposition. What was Messiah supposed to do? He was to come back and, and, and bring Israel back. Israel was supposed to become what it was always intended to be. He was supposed to get rid of the opposition. And Jesus instead is healing the opposition. Jesus, what are you doing? You're not doing what Messiah is supposed to be doing. 
right? John, he was saying in Matthew 3, when Messiah comes, what is he going to do? The winnowing fork is in his hand. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to shit, um, almost said the wrong word there. Didn't try to. Sorry about that. We can get that out. Sift. I'm trying to say sift. Jeez. I've had sick kids this week, people. It's throwing me off. Uh, he was going to sift everything. And, and what was bad was going to be thrown away into the fire. The axe was at the root of the tree. When Messiah comes, he is going to get rid of the opposition. Jesus, what are you doing? You're, you're helping the opposition? What is going on? So I think John is more saying, what? 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 So, and why I also think this, why it's, this, it's the latter question, is all the prophets, they had what's called a two-part eschatology. So an eschatology is how things end, right? So how it was going to be was we have this age, and then Messiah comes, and we move into the next age. This age, Messiah judges, and in Revelation, he's a faithful and true judge. Jesus is going to judge, right? But he thought it would happen right away. And Jesus is not doing that. She's saying, I'm, well, Simon, I'm the guy. But how my kingdom comes is very different than what you think. So yes, I know what I'm doing. Let me show you. But John is in, John's in, do you know where John is right now? Verse two, verse, man, we're still in verse two. John's in prison. He's saying, Jesus, come and get me. Cousin, come and get me. You know where I am. Come get me. So Jesus' response is, yeah, I'm the right guy. Go back, go back and report to John what you hear and what you see. So what Jesus does next, he does it right then. He shows John's disciples, this is what Messiah does. He says, John, the blind receive sight. The lame are walking. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. Good news is preached to the poor. And that word poor is the same word Jesus uses in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So if it's two-part eschatology, if Jesus, there's this age, he comes and everyone is judged, all of those things do not happen. So people who didn't have a chance yet to know who he is would not get the chance. So he says, you got to, John, know where you are. You have to be patient with me. Because if I do what you want me to do, all those people who are now experiencing the kingdom for the first time would not get to experience it. So when Jesus goes on to describe the kingdom, how, how, how does Jesus describe it? It's like a mustard seed. It's this teeny tiny seed. As he plants it in the ground, and it slowly grows. So the kingdom of heaven is like yeast in some bread, and the bread slowly grows. He said it's, it's like a guy who goes in and he, he plants a field full of, full of wheat. And the evil one comes and he puts weeds all through it. You have to let them both grow all the way up before I come. He said, John, the kingdom is, it's slow. It takes time. 
But if I don't have the time to grow it, lots of people will miss it. So we want him to come. I mean, I actually thought, I had this thought this morning. I want two-part eschatology sometimes. Am I right? Jesus, come fix this stuff. This is terrible. There's terrible things going on. She says, there are. But many people, while it looks so bad, are coming to know who I am. Be patient with me. Wow. Blessed. Blessed is the one who does not fall away then on account of me. So John, I'm different than you think. If you were to fall away, that would mean that there would be the opposition against you. So my decision to not do what, I, what you want me to do, don't let it keep you from me. Don't fall away. Be faithful. Because one of the things I noticed as I was studying that, what Jesus is doing, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, deaf hear, dead are raised, good news is preached. Jesus is pulling from different Old Testament places. He's pulling some passages. And he leaves one thing out. He's not setting the captives free. He leaves that part out for John. So John, who's saying, come get me, she said, I'm going to do all these things, but I am not going to come get you. And we don't really know how John receives that. I hope, I hope he was blessed and he did not fall away. But it's a hard thing. So I don't know if you know this or not, but just outside this room, um, uh, we're handing out uh, uh, candles right now to people who've lost people this year. Life is really hard. And there's some things that I would like for Jesus to do, and he's not doing them yet. So this morning, I hope you hear, he's saying, I know, but just be patient. Sir, I love, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. He's going to fix it. But in the meantime, hang in there. So I've just felt super heavy and weighty this week as I thought about this. I think of people I know worship in this room who have walked lonely and sad and painful things. So it makes me so sad that we have to be patient. But I think the Lord does really good things in our patience. So last week we do a, we're doing a contemplative service in here. At, right after this, it's at 11 o'clock. It's slow, it's liturgical, and there's some hymns. If you want to stick around, you can. It's really fun. It sounds boring, and it is not. <laughs> but what I love about it so last week we talked about how Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And so often when I think of peace, I think of, I want Jesus, my, my expectations, those who are in the room were here last week, he is to remove us from the circumstance. He's to get rid of the bad thing. And he does not say he's going to do that. He does not remove us most often. Sometimes he does. The blind see and the lame walk, he does those things. But most of the time, he parachutes in and he walks with us 
through it. So I listened to a person doing a teaching on this, and so they were talking about it, and they said, so they had a, uh, they're sitting in a park with a friend, and they were so mad about so many things that Jesus was not doing. All these expectations that he was just, he was not doing. And the person kind of called her on a little bit. Said, he might not do those things. Do you trust him enough to kneel? Because if you do, you will flourish. My favorite memories in life, I think, are in some of the hardest moments I've ever had to go through. My favorite things with people that I love have taken place in the worst things. And that's just the weirdest thing to me. So within the prison, Jesus said, just hang in there. I learned about a, a famous desert father. His name was Father Abbas. Abba, nope, Moses. I can't get his name right. Abba Moses. And he had this line, and I thought of it to uh, his parents this week. His famous line was this. He said, sit in your cell, and your cell will teach you everything. So in my mind, I was like, so he's talking about like a prison, like where, where John is. He's in prison, and he's not. So when you're a monk, you live in a cell. You work in a cell. That's, where they did, that's what they did. So he's not saying from your prison cell, if you sit in your prison cell, you'll learn everything. No, he's saying if you will just stay in your life, if you will remain in your work, if you will remain in your relationships, if you will be faithful and remain, it will teach you everything. But when I'm in a position like John, I want to remove myself from that place. I'm, I'll do whatever I can. You, we could choose the, the vice of your binge-watching shows, too much to drink, uh, whatever it is. So many things we could choose to remove ourselves from the situation. I think what Jesus is saying, and Father Abbas is, if you stay there, in it, through it, I will come and be in it with you, and you will learn everything. You'll learn what it means to truly be a human. You'll learn how to share life with people through the hardest of things, and I bet you'll sorrow and joy. Someone told me this when I first got married. I said, that's crazy, that your joy and your sorrow go up together. So the more sorrow you experience, the more joy you experience. And I don't understand that. In my life, I feel like when, when I have experienced deep sorrow, it's like my, I'm like the Grinch. My heart enlarges. And then if I pay attention, these little things that seem so mundane become so good. These gifts, smiles, sunshine, Walks. So it feels like a downer of a message. John, I'm not coming to get you. Hang in there. Be faithful. So that's the message of John. And as his disciples are leaving, 
Jesus gets a little fired up. I think Jesus is, my own opinion is he is really sad. That I have to tell a person that I love that I'm not going to come get you right now. What does he say about John? What did you go out to the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? No. John was faithful. John is faithful. He's not getting blown around. Wow. A man dressed in fine clothes, living in palaces, life is great and grand? No. He was faithful, even though he went out in the margins. And he brought my kingdom, my good news, to people who had never heard it before. He prepared the way. John, he, he says John is the greatest person ever born of a woman. This guy, this crazy guy who eats locusts and wears Brillo pads and yells at people. He must have loved people well, too. John was faithful. So I, I, I just think I see people in the room, and just from me to you, I just say thanks for being faithful. Because if you're faithful within the prison, people are watching and people are being changed in a way that we'll never understand the side of heaven. So can I say thank you for walking through really hard things with Jesus? What a gift you guys are. What a gift it is to share life. That's why I love that tapestry. We're all just woven together. Not isolated. So John, he's like, he's like, she's like, John, I love you. I can't get you. But there's a reason for it. Because if I don't come right now in the way you want, people's lives will be changed by how faithful you are within it. So he's just, it's an impassioned, like, for whatever reason, God chose to partner with us. He didn't have to. That's how his kingdom comes. So Jesus says, from the days of John until now, the kingdom has been forcefully coming. It doesn't feel like a forceful kingdom to me. Does it to you? That's not what I think of when I first read it. The kingdom is advancing with power. Because the power is different than military power, political power. All that stuff comes and it goes. But faithful people for a whole life and then generations. I think of the stories I've heard of my great-grandparents and how their faithfulness has played into my life. And I think about how hopefully my faithfulness will play into my children's life and their children's life. Think of how many political regimes will have come and gone by then. We need to, we need, we need to, we need to affect places that we can with, with our lives, our vocations, ourselves, where we live. So while it's like a deep, this is like a deep, for me, like a deep encouraging message. Hang in there. The kingdom is coming. 
Um, I did a lot of reading about Mother Teresa recently. And I, I mean, we all know the story of Mother Teresa. This wonderful woman who gave everything for people, who was so full of joy all the time, was actually really sad. And that's just so fascinating to me. I know why she was sad. Could, could you imagine? I'm trying to imagine her, being her. My brother went there, I guess, at some, some point in time and found her room, the room where she slept in was above like the furnace, the hottest room in the whole place. She gave away all her shoes to everyone else. Her toes were curled when she died because she gave everything away. But the people said she was, she was so full of joy, always. But she wasn't full of joy always, right? So I have, we have a picture of her. I'm not sure what slide it is. Somewhere up there. That's how I looked up pictures of her. And there's a ton of that picture. This beautiful, smiling woman who had to, but then she was so sad. I think because she would get to go and sit with the, the seats of power who had all the influence you could possibly imagine. And they could change everything. We had enough money, they had enough money, but they never did. Could you imagine how that would feel? How could you get all of those no's and be like, God, where are you in this? And still be so full of joy. That must be a Jesus thing. Person, joy and sorrow. I think we want to, we want to say they have to be separate, and they are not. They move together. It's like that's the message today. But it comes down to, do I trust God? Do I trust that he loves me, that he is willing my good, even when I don't get it? I can, I'll never forget. I, I love this. I love this. That in Jesus' day, the rabbinical thought of, of did I talk about this in here? Mystery versus problems? Have we talked about this? No, okay. So, this is so good. So in, uh, uh, in our world, when I am confronted by a problem, what do I want to do? Fix it, right? If I cannot fix it, what happens? I get so frustrated. Why did this happen? Why did you do that? Why, why can't I fix this thing? And instead of drawing me towards God, it draws me apart from him because I can't understand him. In Jesus' day, there is a rabbinical tradition that when you came across an idea that you couldn't get, it was a mystery. I don't understand it. Guess what they would do? They would dance. Isn't that crazy? They would dance when they didn't get it because they thought God was good. And when they were ready at the right time, they knew for sure they would get it. So they would dance on the front end for what they knew they would learn on the back end. What a different way to think about problems. What a different way to think about the really crummy thing I'm going through right now. I don't get it. Last night I got to go talk to high school kids for a little bit. Started an FCA chapter. Awesome, like 60 kids were there. It was incredible. But I realized that last night, I said to him, when I was in college, I wrecked my knee. And I was so mad. I thought I had done the right things. I thought, I thought, what are you, God, what are you doing? And a really wise person at that moment says, someday you're gonna think this is a really good thing. I said, yeah, right. Last night, I'm standing in front of 60 kids, and I was like, huh, yeah, it was the best thing. I was not that good of a basketball player, and it was way too important to me. It was terrible. 
And now I look back, I'm like, look at all the ways that God has brought me here. And now I can, oh. I wanted to dance in front of him, but I couldn't dance. I thought I shouldn't do that. I mean, I'd probably embarrass myself. <laughs> That's the kind of God we believe in. Man, last week, we believe in the kind of God who can actually change things over time. Real change is possible. What a God. But it takes time, and it might not look like I think. So John's not saying, are you the Messiah? He's saying, just, would you do it my way? And Jesus is like, no, I can't. Because I love too many people to do it your way, Clayton. Way too many people. So be patient. Can I fight the band up? Let's pray. I just, man, God, you are so good. You are so fun. And you're so, you just, you blow my mind all the time. Can we just let you be super big? Maybe lame need to walk today. Maybe blind need to see. Maybe some of us need to know that you're just with us in it. Would you help us all to trust you enough today with whatever thing it is that you need to do, whatever that needs to happen, not just for me, but for everyone else around me? Would you maybe somehow in this next few moments give us a glimpse of what you're up to, not just in our own lives, but in the lives of our friends and our family and our community and our country? Would you give us just some, would you help us to see just to encourage us. So I really, I, I pray we would trust that in these next moments that we would just, uh, I don't know, perhaps it'd be a different worship set because we are, uh, we're just, like last week, we're open. We are surrendered. We'll make ourselves less because we want you to be more. We need you to be more. We know that you know you need to be more. So will there just be a real openness, a real spirit of worship, a real spirit of surrender? Because you are worthy of that kind of praise. Amen.